Hi, thank you for tuning into the Short Stacks. I'm Lisa Quintero, Young Adult Librarian. And I'm Nick Barron, patron and sometimes volunteer. This is the show where we talk to you about what we've been listening to, reading, or watching. But first, we're going to talk about some... Library news! Yeah, so um, we've got a few different events going on uh, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, we have a our next Tinker Lab to go is going to be on Monday, September 28th. So stop by and pick up one of those kits if you are interested that are for third grade and up. Uh, our cart kits are continuing on Wednesdays, just like they did this summer. So you can still pick those up any Wednesday. Miss Susan does different projects for each week. So be sure to check them out. We also are continuing stories on the lawn, which Miss Heidi does a story time out on the lawn outside of the library. We do require that you register for that, however, in order to maintain social distancing. So you can register either on our website or you can give us a call at the library at 414-847-2670. Um, and then that will go uh, until October 15th and is at 10 a.m. on Thursdays. And then finally, Haley is having her PM book club uh, Wednesday, October 7th. And so if you're interested in joining with the book club, you can check that out on our calendar and it'll tell you what book they're reading and uh, how to participate in the book discussion. So yeah, that's about pretty much all the events that we've got going on. Uh, we did our first Grown Up Take and Make kit this week. It was a, you could either make your own salsa or you could make your own pesto and grow your own basil or grow your own cilantro. So that was exciting. I don't know if there's any still around, but if, you can always stop by the library and check in and we might still have one of those, one or two of those available if you are interested. From the stacks. Uh, so we decided to do a running themed episode uh, this time around. Yeah, uh, Nick and I both are, enjoy running. I've actually been running for uh, about, I think like 15 years now. And uh, it's, I started doing it as a stress reliever thing several years ago. And I convinced Nick to do his first 5K with me it last year, two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Um, and we did the glow run. And um, yeah, I just, I really enjoy running. And recently I went on a trip and um, part of the trip was me completing a, my first 5K since I had an injury last year. Last year I had a talus fracture. And for those who don't know, it's a bone in your ankle and it's a pretty rare break. And I was told that I probably wouldn't ever be able to run again or jump again after it happened. Um, but after almost a year of physical therapy and obtaining a brace, I am now able to run again, which is pretty exciting because running is a big part of my life. It was a big part of my life before my accident, and I was pretty upset to, to learn that it would be something I was probably never going to be able to do again. And In, in fact, uh, one of the things that the surgeon said after my accident was that uh, I might potentially have to have my foot amputated, and so it was, it was pretty traumatic, but... Um, yeah, but the your bounce back has been miraculous. So. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, September, a bunch of us from work signed up for the Riveter Run, which is a 5K, and Carolyn, actually, who's been on the show before. Uh, a virtual 5K. Yeah, a virtual 5K. Carolyn, who's been on the show before, organized the whole thing. She is an avid runner, as are a few of our other staff members, and so she asked if anybody else from the library would like to join, and so... Um, a few of us joined up, and we all completed our 5K separately, virtually, and then you post your results online, and you get a t-shirt, and so we took a, a picture of the those of us who completed it in our t-shirts afterwards, and it was pretty cool. And it was very exciting, because it was my first 5K in over a year, and I 
actually completed it. I mean, my time was terrible, but <laughs> but I did it. I completed it, and I thought I'd never be able to run again. So it, to me, that's just amazing. Um, so yeah, so in order to get kind of pumped up about running again and get into the zone for my first 5K, I uh, I took a few different audiobooks on a trip that I went on. So I went on this, this solo trip, and it was my first solo vacation uh, since I was about 20 years old. So uh, it's been about 18 years. And I went to Stockholm, Wisconsin, which is on the Wisconsin-Minnesota border. And it's actually near Pepin, Wisconsin, which I learned is the home of Laura Ingalls Wilder, which I had not known before. And since it's about a five-hour drive, I took a few audiobooks. So one of the audiobooks that I took was this book called Born to Run by Christopher McDougall, A Hidden Tribe, Super Athletes, and the Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen. And so Born to Run is actually... Um, uh, audiobook that both Nick and I listen to, like he listened to parts of it because he's been in the car with me off and on, but I listened to the majority of it because I started off on my solo trip and everything. But it's basically this book about, about a journalist who covers mostly extreme sports and that's Christopher McDougall. And he had all these injuries that were happening to him when he was running and he wanted to figure out why. And he's kind of a stubborn guy. And, you know, his first doctor that he went to was like, well, your problem is that you're running and, you know, you shouldn't run because it's terrible on the body. And, just stop running and ride a bicycle, um, which I could relate to because that's kind of what my doctor said after my surgery. And um, that's exactly what he said after my surgery. Yeah. And this guy was like, well, I'm not going to give up on it. And so he started looking for experts on running and started interviewing different people. And when he was interviewing these people, he learned about a people in Mexico called the Tarahumara tribe. And the Tarahumara are people who live in the Sierra Madre and they uh, are people who, who run most places and they've been known to run from the Sierra Madre mountains all the way up to, to the United States. Like, and there was actually a woman who in the 1970s, I think it was, um, accidentally ended up in the Southern United States and she, you know, spoke that Almada. So she didn't speak Spanish or English and people thought she was speaking gibberish. So they put her in a mental institution and over some years, a uh, social worker figured out oh, like this person is an indigenous person from Mexico and they ended up sending her back home. But, you know, these people, they, they run these super long distances, kind of like original ultra marathoners. And then he goes into people in Africa who also run very long distances in order to like hunt animals and just, just for fun too. And then he also goes into the whole ultra marathon thing. So he uh, interviews Scott Jurek, who is one of the leading ultra marathoners in the United States. And he interviews a bunch of other runners as well. And so when he went down to Mexico, he met this guy named Caballo Blanco. And Caballo Blanco um, is a expat from the United States who went down to Mexico because he met the Tarahumara in, when they came to do an ultra marathon here in the United States. And uh, he went looking for this guy because he wanted to learn more about the Tarahumara because these are people who run in like sandals. They don't run in fancy running shoes. They don't run in fancy running clothes. And so he ended up going down there, meeting Caballo Blanco, and getting to know the Tarahumara and getting involved in this race between some of the greatest ultramarathoners in the country. Um, so yeah, so what did you think about the book, Nick? I, so uh, the first thing that, that threw me off, but made it for an entertaining read, is that um, the book... So I didn't know what I was getting into when I got into the car. Mm -hmm. uh, Lisa was just, you know, just happened to be listening to this this book. And, you know, one chapter, it, he would be talking. 
it was like a memoir, but where it was written like novel form, where he's like, you know, giving the exact quotes of what everybody said. You know, it's it, it was written in a novel-esque style. And mm-hmm. then the next the next chapter would go into this deep dive into the mechanics of the foot. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this like medical journalism. And then the next chapter would go into, you know, something else. And so at first I didn't know what to make of it. But um the stories of the people and that that you know novel-esque memoir type thing that he was writing you become attached to the people because they're all very interesting Mm -hmm. and so it you know then I started like you know there was a whole chapter on barefoot Ted Uh and barefoot Ted is this this hippie guy that you know he ends up meeting and, and and he runs everywhere in his bare feet um, and so he goes into this like whole deep dive into the like the backstory of, of Barefoot Ted. And, you know, suddenly you're starting to like, you know, root for these different people and you you get, you know, pulled in. And so it's like you're learning about this idea of of running without shoes. And at the same time, you know, the, the medical stuff is thrown in there in, in their own sep- in its own separate chapters. But it's all being tied together with these very personal stories. Yeah, I liked that about it. So yeah, it's like part memoir because it's the story about him going down and enjoying this race and all the characters that he meets along the way and ends up racing with. But then yeah, like you said, um, it goes into a lot of the medical history and and how humans evolved to basically the the thesis of the book is that humans evolved to be runners. Um, and and goes into various details as to why that is from you know us having a nuchal ligament, which I guess most mammals don't have, horses and dogs have it and humans have it and other mammals don't have it and that allows our head to be stabilized when we are moving fast um he also talks about how a lot of animals that that stand upright that run have tails but humans don't you know and and talks about the way that our feet are laid out and how basically our whole body was engineered for long distance running not necessarily for for speedy running but for long distance running and endurance and he talks about you know how women have more endurance and women um, have been known to complete more ultra marathons than men. And it's, it's just really interesting. And like you said, he also goes into the history of, of great runners. So he talks about, you know, how the gym shoe, the, the running shoe has changed the way that Americans run and how in the 1940s and the 1960s and the 1970s, all these runners ran these marathons at these very, quick paces and, and short times and it was because of what they were wearing on their feet and because their feet were much stronger than our feet are now and how the modern running shoe has made our feet weaker and therefore that's what's leading to problems like plantar fasciitis and all these other things that runners run into in terms of yeah, in terms and, of their injuries. And, and to to give that context, it's like think about the the pair of uh, of Chuck Taylors that you may have, you know, worn at some point in your life. Like the 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 shoes that were made pre Nike, um, pre nineteen nineteen seventies were all very flat and didn't have you know arch support or mm-hmm. all the things that uh, that we think of as being these you know masterful innovations of modern shoes and they they break that down because you don't really think about that because you know most of us you know wearing something like Chuck Taylors is a choice mm-hmm. um, whereas back then that's just how shoes were made yeah yeah and it's interesting because you know going through physical therapy myself it's like 
Um, when I wear running shoes, I notice that my Achilles tendon becomes much tighter because my heel is further up off of the ground. Whereas when I wear, you know, shoes that are like Chucks, um, I have like my Airwalks, which are similar. Um, I feel more of a, of a stretch in my Achilles because they're flat on the ground and so they're not pushing my heel up. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting because he breaks it all down. And if you are interested in running and in human evolution uh, or just in anthropology, uh, you should check this book out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting book. And um, yeah, it uh, especially because it, it ends on their personal stories. Mm. And I'll be honest, it made me a little emo. <laughs> yep, uh, definitely made me emo as well, especially the parts about Scott Jurek and how like, he, you know, he's one of the best runners and at every race that he ever competed in, he, they talk about how like he always, you know, waits at the end of the, at the finish line with a sleeping bag wrapped around himself so he can keep cheering on every single runner that comes through, you know, and I think that's just great because um, it talks a little bit about how in his younger years he was not a very good runner, but, you know, now he's this champion of ultramarathons. Yep. Uh, so, so next was, uh, the, uh, documentary documentary. Yep. We watched a documentary called run for your life. The Fred LeBeau story, which was made in 2008. And it's actually, um, a film about the guy who started the New York city marathon. And so it was interesting cause I never really thought, you know, marathons, pretty much most of them have existed my whole life in terms of like the big cities. So, I never really thought about the origins of marathons, but this is about, you know, how this started. And it started in the 60s, and they talk about how um, it started out as this running club that would run around the Bronx, and it was these guys that were just like, you know, they'd meet at, like, Yankee Stadium, and they'd meet in the men's locker room, so women weren't allowed to join in, and they would run around the Bronx, and they'd run around in these, like, white T-shirts and white shorts, so it looked like they were running around their underwear, and everybody just thought they were kind of, like, these freaks like why why are these people running around the neighborhood and so fred lebeau um he emigrated here from uh do you remember where he came from was it romania i don't remember yeah so somewhere in eastern europe and this so he his family was jewish uh, his original last name was lebowitz um but he changed his name when he came to the united states and he had been sent off to live um in israel for a while and then from israel they came he and his brother came to live in the united states but um yeah, so he was a guy who worked in the garment industry, and he joined this running club, and running was kind of what he did after work every day. It was the thing that he enjoyed, and even though he was, you know, the, the slowest guy on the, the, in the club, um, he still showed up all the time. And so he had this idea and kind of came and shook things up, and a lot of the guys in the Bronx club were kind of like, who is this guy, and why is he shaking things up? Um, he had this idea to, to start a marathon because, you know, Boston had its marathon at the time. And he was like, well, why can't we have one in New York City? And so they had their first one in Central Park. But, you know, they break down how terrible it was because Central Park is, you know, full of pedestrians and people on bikes and people with baby carriages. And, and it's not a flat surface area. It's like a lot of hills and a lot of stairs. And Yeah, they, well, they, they don't specifically mention this, but Olmsted... Uh, Frederick Law Olmsted mm -hmm. designed Central Park, mm -hmm. and his his big thing when he designed Park was was using the natural features of the space mm -hmm. to to frame the park. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas nowadays a lot of times when people come in and design a park, they just they raise know, everything, they raise yeah. everything, and they they build in ponds and what have you. And he used all of the natural features, but that also makes for a very 
hilly un mm-hmm. you know it, it it's we've we've been to central park it's 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 shaky yes it's very shaky <laughs> um so yeah so that was where they held the first two new york city marathons um and he you know was kind of upset by by how few people turned out for them and so he kept pushing and being like well we can make this bigger and better and so uh, in 1976, for the bicentennial, they decide he decided that they were going to throw like a bigger marathon. He wanted to, to enter all five boroughs of New York City, and so he actually went to like the city council and all that and got permission to do this. And everybody was kind of like, "This guy's crazy," because in the 70s, New York was kind of, you know, not a great place to be. There was a lot of arson going on, a lot of crime, a lot of a lot of different things that were, you know, making New York, New York was like not doing well financially. It, it was just, it was not the place that, you know, people uh, want to be, not the New York of today. Yes. And so, so yeah, so he, uh, he, you know, had this idea of, of joining all the, the boroughs. And so it would go through the Bronx and Queens and Staten Island, and it would go across one of the bridges. Um, and everybody thought he was crazy because this would mean that he would have to like close down roads and this and that and it had never been done before. And they're like, how are you going to close down all these roads in New York City? Like, this is, this is madness. But he managed to be like, oh, it's just a one-off thing. It's just for the bicentennial. And so he promoted it by asking a couple of Olympians, uh, uh, two guys that had competed in the Olympic marathon and one of them who had done poorly um, in the Olympic marathon. He invited them to participate in the marathon to kind of, you know, give him another chance to see if he could beat his time and, and do better this time. And so those guys agreed to come. And then he also, around the same time, did like a mini marathon for women. And up until that time, there hadn't been any long distance runs for women. And so the mini marathon for women was a six mile run. And that was still in Central Park when they were doing stuff in Central Park. And that got a lot of women out to run. And all of a sudden, you know, um, kind of started this, this surge in women running. And one of the things that is interesting about this is that, uh, so he was really savvy at ways to uh, to get get like sponsorships and things like that. And legs was legs, right? Uh, it wasn't legs. It was some shaving cream company, women's shaving cream. Yeah, and they they came to him. And they 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 you know, had, you know, pitched the idea of, you know, what about a run that, that, uh, you know, was a marathon for women. And so they went back and forth and then they came up with the idea of the, of the mini run because mini skirts were a, a, a thing. And he was involved with the garment, garment industry. Yeah. And so, so it all, it all went full circle and this resulted in him then, you know, uh, putting a lot of effort and time into, Hey, there's interest in this. So, he, you know, reached out and found other sponsorships as time went on. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's interesting because, you know, they talked about how corporate sponsorship for races, for athletic stuff, wasn't really a thing at this point in time. And, and this was a, a new idea. And, you know, and he got all these different corporations, banks to, to sponsor runners or sponsor runs. And, um, yeah, he ended up uh, getting, you know, all this stuff kind of build up over the years. And then in 1976... He hosted the first marathon that ran, went around the city, and it brought out over 2,000 runners and all these people from the neighborhoods. And it was interesting because, you know, he went around to different neighborhoods kind of to set up the course and, and talk to people. And at one of the neighborhoods, I can't remember which neighborhood it was, but, you know, there's like a bunch of like gang member guys who are just like, well, we don't want the cops in our neighborhood. Like, that, that's not how we do things here. 
And he's like, all right, well, if you don't want the police in your neighborhood, like, how about you guys, you know, our security for this part of the race? And they're like, okay. And so he gave them t-shirts. And, and it talked about how, like, each neighborhood kind of came together. They, you know, they cleaned up the area where it was going to, where the race was going to be going through. They, like, you know, it became a big party and a big celebration. And up until that point, it talked about how a lot of the, the boroughs had kind of been pitted against each other. But this made it, like, a big celebration of New York City and of all the boroughs and of all the people. And, and it was a positive thing in a city that was having a lot of problems and had a big negative reputation at the time and so yeah it was really interesting and uh he went on after that to to keep doing the marathon every year um in new york city because you know it was so popular and it talked about how after the first year like it just exponentially grew and after the first year you know there were there were women who participated and women who won the marathon and um he brought you know this woman from norway over and she won it like nine times um, and then on top of doing the marathon, he also started doing a lot of the runs, kind of like runs that Nick and I have done. So like, uh, they, they talked about how he was a great showman and he was really good at entertaining people. And so he would do these runs, like, you know, costumed runs, or he would do, uh, he did a new year's Eve run where the water stations had champagne instead of water and there were fireworks and you, you started running at midnight. Um, and so you know, all these things like nowadays, like Nick and I have gone to like the hot cider hustle and we've gone to the glow run and we've participated in a bunch of different, you know, runs that are kind of like, you know, they all have their little gimmick or, or little thing that you, you do. And the glow run is one where you run in the dark and you're wearing like glow sticks and the, yeah. the hot cider hustles one and yeah. when it's like October and it's cold out and you end up with getting hot cider at the end. But, you know, they all have these themes to them and, and, and they bring people out and they just make running fun. And he, you know, he was never like a great runner himself, but he found these ways to make running fun and ended up dedicating his life to it. Like he ended up putting all of his money that he had from working in the garment industry into making all these runs and forming the running club, like and, and establishing it and getting like helping buy a brownstone so that it would be the home of the running club. Yeah, you know, that one of the things that that I love is stories about really passionate people that, you know, kind of like throw themselves fully into something. And, you know, once he started started putting together these marathons and these additional side runs, he segued himself away from the garment industry mm -hmm. and just dedicated himself completely to organizing these runs. And I, they they talk about you know him you know bringing bringing people in and having them you know um, they do like a, a a running club newsletter and the people coming in to like stuff envelopes and mm -hmm. what have you. And, you know, him hiring his first person and, and all that. And I, I love those kinds of stories where somebody just, it's like, they get the tunnel vision. And one of the, one of the things that, uh, that I, Lisa and I talked about was, was, you know, him having this, this lifestyle where, you know, his, his, they talked to his brother and his brother, you know, came to visit, visit him. And, you know, he was about to go for his, you know, 20 mile run. And he's like, Hey, it's good to see you. I'll see you in a bit, you know, and, you know, takes off on his run. Yeah, like running was more important to him than other things. It reminded me of the free solo documentary that we watched because like he was as committed, I feel like, to running as the guy from the free solo documentary was committed to climbing. You know, it's yeah. like, and the people in his life either understood that or they didn't understand that. And, you know, and the people who were his good friends were people who kind of understood that about him, it seemed like. So, yep. If you do decide to watch this documentary, when it starts, I've... I, 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 Got to make note of this. When when the movie starts, you're watching it and you're like, I, I thought to myself, did Lisa bring home a documentary from the 70s? I was really kind of like thrown off because the movie starts and everything, like all of the, the art and graphics and everything, 
I would compare it now in retrospect to a Quentin Tarantino film in the sense that it pulls all of these like 70s elements, like the, the iconography and the, the logos and everything. And you're like, am I watching this thing from the 70s? But actually it was, it was from 2008. Mm-hmm. And once they, they start interviewing people, you get the sense that, oh, you know, this, this is actually a documentary from now. So just, it was just a side note that that really threw me off at the beginning, but actually, yeah, no, it's, it's a, a deliberate real... choice. Yeah. It seemed like it was probably the, for continuity because they have a lot of clips from the sixties and a lot of clips, you know, from, yeah, the, from the seventies. So, yeah. 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 So, um, tell us about the Jason Reynolds book. Oh yeah. So the last book that I took with me on my road trip, my, my trip to Stockholm was Ghost by Jason Reynolds, which is a book for middle schoolers, like a fourth, fifth grade. It's about a middle schooler, he's in seventh grade named Castle Crenshaw. And he goes by Ghost. And Castle Crenshaw is somebody who he and his mom um, had to run away from his dad when his dad drunkenly tried to shoot them and kill them. And um, so he he and his mom ran away and he, he is proud of his ability to run really fast. But Ghost just wants to like join a basketball team and like be a cool kid because um, he's in seventh grade and he thinks basketball is like the best thing ever. And um, he, after school, doesn't have much going on, so he goes and watches people. Sometimes he goes and sits at the at the bus stop and watches people, or he goes and sits at the you know across from the store and watches people. And one of the places that he likes to go watch people is at the at the track. And so he goes to the track, and he happens to to come on a day when a track team is having their first meet, and they're kind of like testing everybody out to see what kind of runner they are, whether they're a distance runner or they're a sprinter, or what the deal is. And, you know, there's this guy who he sees sprinting and the guy like is wearing fancy shoes and, and the guy you can tell thinks he's like hot stuff, you know, and, and wearing a fancy outfit and everything. And and so uh, Ghost gets it in his head that he's going to beat this kid, you know, and, and show him because uh, the kid just seems kind of like like his bully who, who he hates at school. And he's like, you know, kind of in this mindset of like, I'm going to beat this guy. And so the guy is lined up on the track to run. And Ghost goes into the field next to him and lines up. And the coach is like, what are you doing? And get out of here. And Ghost is like, I'm just going to run this thing and then I'm leaving. You know, I'll, I'll leave. And so the coach is like, fine, whatever. And they run and Ghost ends up beating this kid. And this kid's like one of the fastest kids on the team. And so after they run, uh, Ghost like picks up his backpack and starts walking away from the field. And the coach chases him down and is like, you know, what's your name? Like, who do you run for? This and that. And he's like, I don't run for anybody. Like, I run for myself. And like, what are you talking about? Who do I run for? And, and you know, and he's like, do you want to be on the track team? He's like, not really. I want to be on the basketball team. And he's like, you know, how's that going for you? Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm practicing. <laughs> and, uh, and so the coach ends up asking him if he'd like to join the team. And he's like, yeah, my mom probably wouldn't let me join. And, and, um, but the coach ends up convincing his mom because his mom's like, you know, that, that way I'll at least know where he is after school and it's something positive. And, and so he joins the track team and it's a coming of age story because along the way he learns about his teammates because, you know, at first he thinks that his teammates are all better off than him and that their lives are all, you know, easier. And, and he has these prejudices about the people around him and then he, you know, gets to know people and the, the coach actually takes all of the teammates out for a meal together like all the newbies at all the first years um and they all have to like share one deep dark secret about themselves so he shares the secret about his dad trying to kill him and his mom and there's a girl on the team named patina and she shares that she's adopted and that she runs because her 
mom, she knows her biological mom, and her biological mom gave her up for adoption because um, her biological mom has diabetes and had to have her legs amputated so she wasn't able to take care of Patina and her sister. And so it goes into all the different stories of all the different newbies. And um, Jason Reynolds actually wrote a book about each of the characters from the series. So it's a series. Um, so like the second book in the series is about Patina. And then the next one after that is about Lou, I believe, which is the kid who races against Ghost. And um, yeah, it's just a really sweet story. He has to deal with his bully. He has to deal with growing up. He has to deal with, you know, kind of his, his issues around poverty and around how to overcome some of the things that he thinks are wrong with him um, because of his situation. And uh, it's a quick, quick listen. It was only, that was the first one I listened to because it was only about two hours long. And uh, the narrator is, is pretty great. So you should check that one out if you are into running or if you have a middle schooler who is looking for a good read and enjoys stuff about sports or just about, you know, coming of age realistic fiction. Um, and like I said, it's, it's a series. So it's, great start to, to a new series if you're interested yeah so when we discussed that we were going to do a running themed episode um you know i always have to have to do like a music tie-in because <laughs> you live around music yeah no it's it's true and so the the morning we actually had to re record this podcast twice um but the morning that we were going to do it the first time like i, I woke up that morning and uh i had the song take it on the run by ario speedwagon stuck in my head um, and it got me thinking and I was like, you know, I ran so far away, uh, you know, from a uh, flock of seagulls and, uh, you know, all of these different songs that had running Tiffany running just as fast as we can, <laughs> uh, all these songs that, that have uh, references to running usually are somebody running to somebody or running away from somebody uh -huh. in, in a romantic sense. Uh -huh. Um, uh, or, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, tramps like us, baby, I was born to run. Yeah, you know, Bruce Springsteen. Like, yeah, yeah, you know that sort of thing. But they aren't actually about running itself. Yeah. Yeah. But when we were watching the uh, the movie about the guy uh, about Fred LeBeau and the start of the marathon, um, I had thought about a song by the band Iron Maiden, "The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner." And so, I, out of curiosity, I did a, uh, a, a a Google search on the lyrics um, because. Even though I had had that record when I was in middle school, I don't have it anymore. And so I, I looked up the lyrics and I was like, Iron Maiden, you've done it again. Uh, <laughs> the song is actually about running marathons. And so uh, uh, I was I was and, and about the lonely the loneliness one feels when they are uh, running a marathon. I wonder if any of the guys in Iron Man <laughs> have ever actually run a marathon. Yeah, that's that's a fair question. Um, but, Why uh, are they writing about running marathons? I mean, you figure one of them has to if they're writing about it, but who knows? In interesting thing, Bruce Dickinson, the, the singer, he has a, pilot, a pilot's license and he flies them everywhere they go on tour. Okay, so, so yep, maybe one of them probably has done it at some point. Maybe one of them's an ultramarathon, or who knows, I'll have yeah, to look into this. Yeah, exactly, but uh, um, if anybody can think of any songs that are actually about running, um, the act of running, I would love to hear it in the, uh, in the comments. And the one that uh, doesn't count is Going the Distance by Cake, because that's about success. It's not about <laughs> actually running. So, yeah, so you can either put it in the comments or you can email us at shortstacks at gmail.com. We always love hearing from our listeners. 
Um, As always, you can find us on Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. And And be well. The Short Stacks is produced by Lisa Quintero and Nick Barron for the Short Public Library. The music on the show is by Kevin McLeod and is entitled Ice Flow. You can find it at incompetech.com.